And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light, joined by Ari Wasserman. And after one week of recording in our makeshift studio here in Nashville, Tennessee, we're back in our normal places. Me, still in Nashville, Ari in Dallas. Did you enjoy your time in Nashville, Ari? Yeah, Nashville's a great little town, and I love your house. I love your little bonus room. It was cozy. We had some REM playing, set the mood okay. <laughs> um, but now I have my computer, so I can actually look at stats while we're doing it, and you can accuse me of not paying attention to you, even though I'm trying to just be more smart. Um, and smarter. I think that we're going to have a, a more smart, smarter. <laughs> yeah. See, see, see what I'm dealing with. Um, but yeah, there's a. It was kind of like one of these weird weeks, Mitch, where like nothing major happened, but a lot of stuff happened cumulatively. I think you might have noticed that as you were editing this week and recruiting, there weren't any groundbreaking sections, but there were a lot of sections. So yeah, I'm excited to to kind of get into this with you and and see if we can contextualize some of the, the happenings of the previous week. Yeah, that was kind of the point of my, my intro here uh, where I set the table. You know, it's pretty light week on commitments, but still, as we found, Ari, every week there's something to talk about. Uh, Notre Dame continued success in both 23 and 24 classes. Uh, a huge get for Brian Kelly. Maybe we'll get to it, but maybe the most important recruiting win of the week or the past few weeks by any coach. Some big NIL news out of USC. Uh, some really good mailbag questions this week. I actually got more mailbag questions ready because I thought at first, like you said, that the week was light on news. So we'll get to some of those. And then maybe my favorite trivia question that we've had, which is uh, saying something because I think I've... That's I've, also scary for me. You know, it, it's a good one because it's not a dumb one like where you just have to guess a number. And oh. like, you know, we're, we're like, I don't, this one you could get if you think about it. It's very difficult. When you, when you guess the number though, it's like basically a multiple choice test. Yeah. It's like, you can't sound too stupid. If you try to have me produce facts or names, I'm doomed. Then people will really know how stupid I am. Yeah. My, my parents were over for dinner last night and they're listeners of the pod. And we had a chuckle about last week's trivia question when I said, Mm-hmm. Which school, how many top 10 recruits, what's the most amount of top 10 recruits any school's ever had? And your answer was 14, I believe, or 15. Yes. That That'd was, be a good class. I mean, 15 top 10 kids in a class. Yeah. I. Uh, well, hey, maybe you have 15 top 10 kids that were in the top 10 at some point. Or there was a tie, you know. Just, or maybe I just didn't hear the question. Yes. Or maybe I'm an idiot. You decide if you're a listener what, what, what you feel. is A like, little is bit case. of everything. So before we dive into the week, and we don't need to spend too much time on this, but you were in town last week. We talked about it, but it hadn't started yet. You were in town for what was called a player personnel symposium. Basically, it's recruiting staffers from around the country, from the director of player personnel, the GMs, whatever title, the top of the food chain there, down to the entry level assistant to the assistant recruiting coordinator. Almost every school, you know, we saw all the the polos walk by and the logos. Um, Good, good place, just good place for you and Max Olson and Grace Rainer to just to meet people, and we were fortunate that they allowed media to be there. So I thought it was, I thought it was probably a, a pretty good event for you guys. Yeah, I thought for sure that it was a, 
you know, just listening to them talk. You know, a lot of times when we're in situations where we're, you know, talking to people in those positions, we have a tape recorder on or we're right. trying to get information or whatever. But this was kind of a low key. We're just listening to, to hear what you guys have to say about how you do your job and interesting facts, facts that, you know, you can glean and, you know, just like knowledge. So like later on when I have a mailbag question about, so how do they do this? It's like, oh, I remember one time at the symposium they were talking about that. It's like just little pieces of knowledge that you can get to contextualize how they approach their jobs, which I thought was interesting. Um, There's just like when you look at college football in general, and I always found this fascinating, and I said this to some of the people there last week, but, you know, in the NFL, the GMs and the talent evaluators are the ones who are in charge, you know? And even though the head coaches of a college football program um, are the CEOs and make final decisions on talent personnel and who they want to take and stuff, the actual talent evaluators and the people who are basically doing their draft are like very well below salary wise, the people that they're boosting up. They might be hitting the road um, if recruiting rules change. They're the ones who create first point of contact. They set the visits up. And they're sorry, they're hired by the coach too. Where in the pro ranks, the GM and the coach That's are right. very separate. So it's like a completely different paradox. And I think that as you know, NIL starts up, and you know, as college football, you know, signing more three hundred fifty million dollar annual television contracts, that this is just kind of shifting. The paradigm is shifting. Like because like ten years ago. When I first started covering Ohio State, I don't even know if they had a recruiting coordinator. And then when Urban Meyer came to Ohio State, he brought Mark Pantone, who's the godfather of of this event and one of the people that, you know, everyone looks up to in the industry. And like it was just him and Urban. And then now they have like a 12 or 15 person staff. And, um, you know, it's a huge department. That's almost like an NFL personnel department. And that that meeting had, what, 250 people? Um at least. Yeah. At least, right? Maybe 300. I mean, I think five years ago, it might have only had like 50 or 60. So the industry is booming. Salaries are going up. The importance of these people are, are starting to be appreciated more by outsiders, um, not just the coaches. But you know, I remember when Urban Meyer took Pantone to Ohio State, he said he was the most important employee on the, on the staff. And I think he was making you know, less than a hundred thousand dollars a year when he started and urban was making 6 million, you know, yeah. like it's just like a, it's like a crazy dynamic and the success of these people has a direct impact on the success of the people making all that money. So, you know, definitely um, want to give them their time in the shine, uh, their time to shine or their time in the sun. They deserve praise and acknowledgement. And the fact that we were able to make that trip work and to get in the same room with these people, not only for sourcing, um, but for just relationships and understanding of the way recruiting works, I thought was beneficial to to me and you, our readers, and of course the people listening to the podcast. Yeah, and also you you guys used the trip to Nashville for some other stories. In fact, Grace Rayner today has a story. She went over to Vanderbilt and spent a day with uh, Nick Valdeseri, the the director of recruiting at Vanderbilt, kind of behind the scenes what goes on a day there. That story's up yesterday. We were recording today on Wednesday. The pod will be up Thursday, so the story was Wednesday. Um, Grace also talked to a local recruit. Um, you went over to Lipscomb High School to interview Trent Dilfer and that what he's got, got going on got going on over at that school. Basically, you good, bro? Yeah, I'm okay. One in ten, okay. I believe, the year before he took over. Two years later, they're they're almost they're a national power now, sending multiple kids to P5. Um, so you, you guys were able to to get on the ground and go visit some high schools. So that was good and Eddie too. George too, which yes. I'm working on. So I, I spoke to Eddie George and just I don't know. Maybe there's stories out there about like why would you do this? You know, I'm gonna. 
try to avoid reading anything if it is out there. But I just thought it was cool to, to kind of sit down and talk to them because they've got a really good staff, too. So um, a lot of really exciting things about, you know, the trip. But in general, um, definitely excited that we did that. Cool, cool. Um, a few more bullet points here. Did you see the Georgia-Florida news about, um, you know, the, uh, you know one of the great yes. rivalry games in Jacksonville? It's a great look at the stadium when it's you know, like pretty literally 50%, you know, red and black and white, 50% orange and blue. Um, it's been a great series. But Kirby Smart, who's always thinking recruiting. Now, I'm sure, I'm sure Billy Napier thought this too, but I just saw the headlines from Kirby Smart. Wanted to move the game in part to, to uh, campuses because you can't, you're not allowed to bring recruits. You're not allowed to host recruits at a neutral site game and Kirby of course is always thinking recruiting so they your both schools are now allowed to bring recruits there and I just it just shows you how important is recruiting that a coach would be willing to sacrifice what's one of the great games I think we all love campus games but for the most part when we say that we're referring to those week one games we don't love you know the domes but this is a cool neutral site game and so I'm glad they changed the rules so they can keep it a neutral site game. But to me, I guess it, was just, it just shows you how important recruiting is for these programs. Well, it's also one of the more premier games on that schedule for both programs every year. And it's something, uh, it's something that, you know, the whole entire sport and the people who, who enjoy watching it kind of look forward to. So, you know, I, I, I'm okay with that. I mean, it's not like you're going to get to see campus and facilities and I don't know what the rules are going to be or – you know, no official visits or whatever, but like just getting people into that stadium to see that spectacle, I think is another way to sell your program. You know, if I were a coach, I think the interesting thing is like now that it's permitted um, and somebody might not have uh, a lot of, uh, you know, resources, if it's not an official visit, they might not want to use that money to not see your campus. But of course, to see what they take part in in a rivalry game, it's on a neutral site, I think is a really cool thing. So, you know, I don't know if anybody has noticed this about me, Mitch, and I'm sure you have too, but I'm pretty in favor of anything that enriches the experience for a high school student to see these things. You know, like everybody is just so, you know, tightened up about like how, how many visits they can take or how many officials they can take. Like, I think they could take as many officials as they want if it were up to me. I understand there's financial constraints and stuff, but like, if I had a son who was being recruited by college football programs like that, I'd want him to see as many places as he could. And, you know, a lot of that is is basically on the onus of parents to pay for it. But, you know, if, if they wanted to make 10 and schools wanted to pay for it, then let them pay for it. And they got all the money in the world. So, you know, if you want to let him go see a neutral site rivalry game, then let him go see it. Like, what, who's being hurt by this? So, yeah. um, you know, definitely I'm all for that. And I think it'll be cool. And I'll be interested to see how they um, – actually use that rule to their advantage it's to me it's a recruiting you know the georgia and florida if if and when florida gets to the point where we think they can should be at schools like that are all recruiting the same type of kids they're looking to a difference maker or a way to differentiate themselves to me having a cool neutral site like that game could be a difference like hey you come to these school you're gonna you we have great home environment but once a year you're going to take a bus to Jacksonville, and it's going to be something like you've never played in before. It's going to be something like OU Texas, same thing. I think that's something both of those fan bases, both those teams look forward to every year. So I don't know why they would want to get away from that. It just seems like a nice tradition that you'd want to keep. Right. I'm with you on that. All right. USC NIL. Did you read that story that came out late last night? Uh, I'm aware of it. Okay. Um, Antonio Morales, our USC writers, actually, he's been talking to some player parents. He's going to be working on a story. We'll, we'll have it up by tomorrow when you listen to this. So 
USC has been in kind of a no man's land. I don't know if that's the right way to put it for NIL. Or Lincoln Riley even said so at Pac-12 Media Day. He's like, basically, I'm at a school that has the resources that if we want to get all in on a collective and inducements and all that, we can do it. But I know that's against the rules. So just like, tell me what the rules are and we'll do them. So USC, a couple months ago, maybe weeks, months ago, they, they there's a school, the school partnered with an outside media company to launch something they're calling Boulevard, BLVD. It's to facilitate NIL deals for current athletes. They were opposed to a outside collective influencing, you know, their school, their, their, their current student athletes. Bunch of USC alum said, we don't care. They started their own collective, uh, great name, Student Body Right. And they are just, they're raising money from USC fans, USC alums, and they're, the school's opposed to it. So you, we have a case, and I'm sure this has happened elsewhere, you've got a collective butting heads with the wishes of a school. Now they did say that they are not going to use it as recruiting inducement. So maybe that's how they're separating themselves. Maybe that's how they're trying to get in good graces with the school and the administration. But it's going to be an interesting dynamic going forward because, again, you've got a outside collective working against the, the wishes of a school. Yeah, you know, it, it's just kind of like this weird thing, Mitch, where you have to do what you can to keep up, man. And it's just yeah. like... You USC know what, fans are pissed. Kind of, they think they're not doing enough, USC fans. Well, and I would be too. And the thing that's so funny about this is that there's just mixed signals, you know, every week. Uh, or every Lincoln month. Riley's it's point. like one, you know, Lincoln Riley is, uh, they're they're killing it. They got Jordan Addison. <laughs> they're paying him a boatload of money. And then they lost out on Josh Connerly Jr. because they didn't have enough money. And now you've got this collective and that collective. And it's just kind of like, you know, I, I what I do think, Mitch, and I don't know if this is ever going to work itself out this way. But when you're talking about the financial aspect of this and you're talking about the way that you build a roster, I think that it's literally impossible to be successful if you have people pulling in different directions. Look at University like, of Tennessee. That, it, this is before NIL. You need, from the top down, you cannot have too many cooks in the kitchen. They say the same thing about Auburn. They say the same thing about Texas. In Texas, yeah. it was even before, like they, they have all these talented players, but they say the boosters and the administration aren't eye-to-eye and the coaching staff is being pulled in nine different directions and they just don't have any any uh you know like-minded goals that they can all walk to, to you know together you know um and i think that's a really tough thing so you know i i think that getting kids paid and getting them you know competitively um you know feeling like they're being compensated competitively is an important thing cuz like if you have you know Malachi Nelson going to A&M because he doesn't feel like he's valued by I mean that is the disaster of all disasters for USC and Lincoln Riley I mean that's the whole thing or that not only is Malachi Nelson might feel that he's being valued he might be confident in his ability down the road to earn money or earn money as the starting quarterback through this boulevard thing maybe he looks around and doesn't see his school getting enough talent maybe he sees Josh Connerly his potential future left tackle playing at another school and he's like you know what I can handle not making, you know, whatever, because I'm going to make it, you know, these guys are very... I mean, do you want to, like, they're go aware. play on a worse team that makes you look like a worse prospect for 30 grand a year or whatever it is? Yeah, I mean, it's, these kids are smart. They they look around, you know, we, we started saying years ago that, you know, these kids know who schools are recruiting. They know how many quarterbacks a school's signing, you know, back in the day. In the 80s, you go to school and you show up and there'd be like five other quarterbacks. You're like, oh, I didn't know that. Now I got to compete with all these guys. These kids are very savvy now, obviously. So um, 
I think you make a good point. It's 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 about the what if they start getting players, but there's just there's not harmony out there. There's there's constant butting of heads. Now I'm sure they're, they're they'll try and figure it out. They'll do the best they can to figure it out. But it's 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 going to be an interesting storyline going forward. And you know we haven't maybe I just haven't been reading the right or talking to the right people, but. I haven't heard too many other cases like this where the school is at odds with the collective, but I'm sure it's happened out there. Have you heard anything? Yeah, no, I, I haven't. I haven't heard anything about that. Like, so what? What would be the odds of you know what? What? I don't understand. Like, what you're what you say by that? The what school does not want that? an outside collective. They want to now the collective. This student body right thinks they can complement what the school is doing. They think they can work with the school, but the school has a this again this uh, company to facilitate NIL deals for the current athletes. They want to be able to control it all. They don't want an outside entity and I contacting the left the left tackle. Gotcha. Yeah. So I wonder, like, if that's like, is that because they just don't want to be in a situation where they're viewed as breaking the rules later down the line? I was that a control thing? Like, I what, think it's, a, it's a control thing. I don't, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, if I were a fan, I would want as much money coming in from every direction as possible to get these guys on campus, you know. But you start running into third-party, you know, situations that aren't affiliated with the school, and if the school's at, at odds with that, then how much of the right information are they actually going to get as it pertains to, you know, filling out that roster the right way? So, you know, I that's not a good look to me. <laughs> you know, like, this is supposed to be exciting. Every time a school announces a collective, it's like, oh, my God, we're uh, we're on the right direction, you know. Um, and I do wonder like what the word collective is even going to mean in three or four years, whether they're going to be permitted or, you know, how all that's going to work. But, you know, I don't know how Mitch, this is actually going to manifest if you're pulling in different directions. I really don't. It's like, is this guy, is this third party collective going to keep Malachi Nelson when USC's can't? That's the goal. I mean, I think that's probably, and if that's the goal, (laughs) then why would you be against that? Like as a fan, I, I understand why you would want it, but um, I also understand too that there are a lot of coaches and administrators out there that are a little bit concerned with what some of the consequences are going to be of um, of, of potentially dealing with people who are kind of living in that gray area of the rules right now. And there are rules that are in place, and there are gray areas of that rules that aren't being enforced. And whether or not they'll be enforced on the line, I think we something we've talked about quite a bit. But I also don't know exactly. Um, what side of the equation I'd want to be on if I were a coach of a program because I wouldn't want to get in trouble either. So the word inducement is always interesting. Um, the reason why collectives exist is literally to induce. <laughs> so like I don't know you know, exactly what kind of places that coaches and administrators are falling on w- when it comes to this sort of thing, but it's, it's a tough situation, Mitch, for sure, especially if you think that USC's collective that they're working with isn't getting it done. Yeah. And it's like, isn't like Malachi Nelson's entire reason for going to A&M an implication that USC is not putting him in a position to be compensated um, in a in a marketable way, especially considering the fact that he lives 60, like less than 60 miles away or probably much closer than that to Nico, who is purported to make eight million a year or eight million during his, col- yeah. his college I mean, career. That's, yeah, that that seems like why he would take the visit to Texas A&M. So Mitch, if the athletic started and it was a and it was a uh big college no sorry a big uh sports writing um situation where they had a bunch of people like me reporters it was this conglomerate of sports media and they hired a nfl i mean a college football editor who lives in nashville and they paid him five times as much as they paid you wouldn't you go crazy i would would not be pleased i mean like it's the same exact job 
Yeah. It's our competitor. He lives in the same city and he does the same exact thing as you, probably less, because you have nine different jobs at our company and he got paid five times as much. Like how so like put put yourself in that position and now think, well, what does Malachi Nelson feel about this? And Jaden Rashada is a you know, as somebody who's been rumored to have gotten a check. Or at least been, you know, promised things. You know, I don't know exactly what's going on there, and I know it was a big point in contention with him and his camp. Uh, when he chose Miami and what people were accusing him of, but just the conversation in general is out there and it has an impact on the other guys. And like Malachi Nelson, I think if you ask most recruiting coordinators might be the the quarterback that most people think is the most likely to be better than, than Arch Manning at the next level. It's a tough situation. Okay. Um, We're going to move on in five seconds. Where does Malachi Nelson play football in 2023? I think USC. So do I. I would, I would say USC. Yeah. I think that they'll figure out a way. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of like one of those things of just like, if you have an asset, you just got to find a way to, to figure it out. Like, I mean, you just got to figure it out. It's like, yeah, it's it's like, like USC, an Aaron Judge. They're going to sign Aaron Judge. It might cost him a lot of money, but they can't let him go. That was a little, yes. ba- little baseball talk for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now I don't know what that means. Yeah. Like, how do you do that? Yeah. So, but you know, they, I guess it's their jobs to figure it out. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a... real POS. You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. LSU. Mm-hmm. Good week. Solid week. So, weird week. I think ironic week. Odd was week. Weird. Yeah, odd week. No, it's ironic. Who LSU. is it ironic for? Is it ironic for Notre Dame or is it ironic for, for LSU or is it ironic for both? The situation's just kind of ironic, but I don't think odd week for Isn't LSU. Isn't it ironic? Yeah. Um, sing it. Sing it with no, me. No, I don't sing. Um, a lot of things are odd at LSU always, but that's not in a bad way. It's just a, it's a unique place. Shelton Simpson Jr., Five-star from Baton Rouge Samson. Catholic. Oh, Samson? It's Samson? Yeah, that's right. Um, it's Samsonite. I was way off. Five-star 
from Baton Rouge Catholic, uh, number 33 overall, number four wide receiver, number three player in the state, commits. LSU now has two of the top ten in the state, uh, along and then they have number eight Caleb Jackson from Baton Rouge. So that's the good news. The bad news, and we'll get to Notre Dame more in, in a second, is Jade Nosberry, four-star linebacker, number 105 overall from Baton Rouge. Dad played at LSU. Dad works at LSU. He signs with Notre Dame. Now, I guess the word out there was that he just wanted to get out of town. Like, and that's fine. His dad, maybe, you know, he's grown up around LSU his whole life, his dad, so he wanted to get out of town. So, like, do you not, do you excuse Brian Kelly? Or do you say, yeah, I mean, but, or yeah. what is it, what is it, if Marcus Freeman were at LSU, he'd say, I'm not putting up with that bullshit. I don't care that you think you want to go. You're from Baton Rouge. Your dad played here. You're signing here. Yeah. Well, I don't know if, if there is a certain, that's the thing. Like, you have kids. I have a kid who doesn't think yet. You have a kid. <laughs> Who yeah two kids? Who I have a twenty one year old as of today yeah, by the way yeah and she's twenty one. It's her birthday today. How yeah. was the Bad Bunny concert? Uh, I texted her on her way home. She says the greatest experience of her life. Interesting. Yeah, she just spent four months abroad in in, in Barcelona. She's went to the Grand Canyon with my son. She's gone all these great trips. She's going to co- college, all this stuff, and she's a Bad Bunny was the greatest experience of her life. That's great. <laughs> yeah. This guy must be really good at music. I don't know who I've never heard a song of his, but it's a guy, right? Yeah, Bad Bunny. Yeah. Um that's like I'm getting old now. Like I don't I don't keep up with the times of the of the music artists, but you know, it's I not do REM, think that I don't know who it is, right, Ari? Yes, that's right. Like you're REM, I'm I have my own artists and I've yeah. kind of like, you know, in that you get stuck in your time, but the thing that I always like try to temper myself with cuz I know I've been un reasonably harsh with some you know analysis that i've done in the past two years and i can own up to that is that like how much is a recruiter liable for convincing somebody who has their mind made up about something it's like it's it'd be so easy to say well if marcus freeman was the head coach of lsu then this kid would be going there but i don't think that's fair to brian kelly you know what i mean like i don't think that that's that's fair so what i do push back on is when there are instances over and over and over again where the same type of excuses are being put out. Um, well, he didn't want to go here. His dad went there and he wanted to forge his own path. He said since he was nine years old that he didn't want to play play at the school. And like you have a collection of 10 different top 100 players over a three-year period that leave the state because of whatever reason it is. When it becomes a pattern, that's when I start to come in and say, hey, you know, you can't control individual situations. People have their own hopes and dreams, and I don't care how good of a salesman you are. If Shelton Sampson Jr. didn't want to go to LSU, then he wasn't going to go to LSU, right? Or Osbury. Sampson's the one that is going. Osbury. Sorry. Yeah, my yeah. bad. Yeah, same yeah. point. Did you, yeah. did you say Osbury? Yeah. Uh, did you yeah. tell people that yet? Okay. Yeah. So um, Osbury uh, is going to Notre Dame, which is the most ironic thing in the world because he's going to the place that Brian Kelly left because it wasn't easy to recruit there, right? Um, but – what are you going to do? Like, are you going to be like, he can't recruit Louisiana now because some kid who's made up his mind already wants to leave, you know? And I think it's good that they got a five-star prospect in Samson the same week, you know, to kind of lessen the blow a little bit. But like, it is a very weird class for uh, Louisiana this year. If you look at the state, the top two players in the state are going to Texas. One's Arch Manning. And it's another one of those things of like, I don't care how good of a recruiter the head coach at LSU is. If you don't get Arch Manning, then that's understandable because he's the most national, non-geographically related player that there is, right? And then Derek Williams, um, the five-star safety, is going to to Texas too. That's a shot um, that's probably not going to be easily, uh, you know, 
digested if you're an LSU fan. They got Shelton Stampson, who's there. Then you got Eli Holstein. He's going to um, Alabama. So two, uh, f- one five-star prospect and one top 50 prospect um, are going at the quarterback position somewhere else. They're probably going to get Ricky Collins um, this evening. So by the time you guys hear this, Ricky Collins will be in the fold. But it looks like they might only end up with three or four top 100 players in or I mean top 10 players in the state of Louisiana and that's not a very good cycle for LSU and four is not terrible other schools um you know have that that issue but like LSU has been the program that consistently never falters because of how much of a stranglehold they have on Louisiana it's like how many different programs in college football this would be a good trivia question because I don't really know have won a national championship which each of the last three coaches they had Miami had a run Obviously not anymore. Miami had a run like that. Um, consecutive coaches? That's a good one. Consecutive coaches with a national championship. That's a good one. Well, I'll look that up. Um, so I, one, we're not, we got a lot more to talk about, but I want to dip into one mailbag question that's very related to what we're talking about now because you answered it in your written mailbag, which published Tuesday. Good question from Keenan. If recruiting is based on connections and relationships built over multiple years, why is Brian Kelly getting so much flack for not landing Louisiana recruits this cycle? It seems he's being ridiculed for not landing recruits that were never going to LSU anyway. Wouldn't it be best to see how he does next year once he has a couple of years to build relationships with Louisiana recruits? You answered it fine. You spent maybe a couple hundred words. I'm going to paraphrase what you said. Yes, okay. but tough shit. Right, like, like yeah, yeah, I mean, those it's like all a good point, But bottom line is, you're that you're hired yeah. to recruit those kids. Recruiting is a relationship business, but the reason why LSU has been so insanely good is because the relationships of the in-state prospects have always taken a back seat to LSU being a funnel to Louisiana prospects. So it's like what you're saying makes actual sense. Like I get it, but like Louisiana has always sent their kids to LSU for the most part, no matter who the coach is. So you know. Nobody's going to sit here and say with, with LSU with with a top ten class as we're sitting here right now that Brian Kelly is a failure and will never be able to recruit the state very well. That would be so irrational this early. But what I will say is, is that if this becomes a trend into year two and into year three, then he will not be successful at LSU at the at the rate that you would expect him to. And the expectation there is to win national championships. And I think that he knows uh, how important it is to to recruit the state of Louisiana. And frankly, Mitch. I've never spoken to him about his, um, you know, his uh, desire to, um, you know, switch schools. But I think that the number one selling point that LSU probably had as opposed to Notre Dame was there are five to seven top 100 players in your state every year who are programmed to go to your college. That's like literally the whole point. <laughs> so I do think that he's a very good national recruiter or has or has a staff and, and uh, experience recruiting nationally at Notre Dame that that will be a very good thing for him at LSU because LSU is still always going to have to recruit nationally but if you're only going to get three or four of the top 100 players and only one of the top five which is where the real meat is then that's not what makes LSU great so any excuse you want to come up with I understand Shelton Sampson Jr. decided to go to LSU that's a win um Jay Nosberry left he's a top 110 player I think he's 105 he's going to Notre Dame you kind of let that live in a vacuum. It happens. He doesn't want to go to LSU, or as the question said, was never going to go to LSU to begin with. Okay, I can accept that. It happens 10 times, then you've got a problem. Are we looking in five years, and this probably won't happen because it's Texas and just things don't happen at Texas like we think they will. In five years, Texas is an SEC power. 
because Brian Kelly has failed to recruit the state of Louisiana. And Brian Kelly's, I mean, and, and Sark has gone into Louisiana and done similar to what Nick Saban went into South Florida and did. Could that possibly happen? Well, I mean, this Texas situation is kind of interesting. Um, I don't know that I would pick Texas to do it. I think Texas a and I'm just saying because they, they had two of the... They have two. I mean, I guess it's possible. Two of the, they have the top two kids in the state this year. So I, use I mean, like Alabama that. just like completely wrecked Florida. You know, yeah. and I know that some of those Florida kids are IMG kids and they're not from Florida, but there's a lot of Florida talent going from Florida to Alabama. And Alabama, you could say, has wrecked multiple places. Like, if A&M turns out to be a team that recruits the way that it did last year for 10 years in a row, like, what do you think their number one secondary recruiting territory is probably going to be being in, in the Houston area? I mean, that's going to be, it's just, what, a three-hour drive for the border from there? It might not even be closer, that long. Much closer. So, um, I think you know, that, to me... LSU has always been a direct landing spot for Louisiana prospects, and I think that there's a certain like expectation that that'll happen no matter who it is. You know, having covered Ohio State, the kids in Ohio are programmed to go to Ohio even when the coaches are, are, are not very good. Ohio State had Luke Fickle as their head coach as an interim basis, and they got seven or eight commitments during his, his time before they introduced Urban, and those commitments turned out to be key uh, important players on um, – uh, national championship winning team that just went there because of the love of Ohio State and the brand. Not that it was, they didn't care that the program was in a weird transition. Um, that said, you know, recruiting is more national now and more teams have more ability to get into the heads of prospects that are far away than they ever have before. You have other emerging brands, you have NIL, you have a lot of reasons why um, a player would want to leave a state that they haven't always wanted to leave. So to me, the number one thing for Brian Kelly has always been. You have to own your state. Even if you take that for granted, you have to do everything that you can to continue to lay the foundation to make sure that that continues. And, you know, this first year, would you give him a passing grade? Like, I, I don't know that he passed the, the first year test. Now, failing the first te first year test, I don't think is an indication that he's never going to be good at it. I anticipate that he will. Um, but it's just not what you have come to expect from LSU. And thus, when you're making, you know, $10 million a year, um, you are opened up to rational discussion about why that's or happening. irrational. Yeah, or irrational. I mean, that's if that's if this if he listened to this podcast and was like, <laughs> I cannot believe they're having a long discussion about my recruiting in Louisiana when I've been here for seven months. It's just like, okay, well, go fill up a pillow with a hundred grand and lay on it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's the way it works when you get paid this much. So, yep. um, that uh, to me is a very interesting discussion. And LSU still has a top ten class. Right. That's the funniest thing about this. Like LSU is going to sign a pretty good class this year, but what's the expectation for LSU? Is it to sign a pretty good class or is top it to five. beat Alabama and win a national championship? Yeah, top five. So that and that's that's done by keeping kids home. And Georgia has proven in recent years that it doesn't need to dominate its state and still have top five, top three classes and win a national championship. But that's not the tradition. You I mean, yes. we need to keep rehashing. It's the tradition. That's of no. That was yeah. It's just that's pretty strange too. Like and. and I think the tradition is probably pretty similar in in Atlanta too. Yeah, it's you know? just, I, I think back, I think Atlanta's probably more heavily recruited than Louisiana much from more. a national perspective. Much more. Every, so that yeah. that probably has to take into account. And Georgia has done so well on a national level that they don't need those players as much. And if there's a player that's ranked number sixty eight um, overall in the country in Atlanta, Georgia is one of the few programs in college football that can go sign the number twenty six guy right. at the same position from California and it not matter. So. You know, certainly keeping kids home is important. And if you go look at Georgia's class, they still sign a lot of players out of Georgia. It's not like they're ignoring it. 
But I think that LSU's conversion rate in the state of Louisiana has to be higher than Georgia's conversion rate in Georgia. Agreed. I think you would agree with that. Yes. Yeah. All right, Notre Dame, uh, number one class in 23 and 24, I believe. Uh, good week for the Irish. We just mentioned Jaden Osbury, the four-star linebacker from Baton Rouge. Dylan Edwards, four-star running back, a uh, long time, well, relatively long time, Kansas State commit from the state of Kansas, decommitted from the Wildcats a few weeks ago on Saturday, gives Notre, picked Notre Dame, gives the Irish their second running back. Th- this one's interesting. This is obviously a guy they liked, evaluation. You know, Ben Minich, uh, three-star safety, number 450 overall from Ohio. Um, I don't believe had an Ohio State offer. Doesn't mean he's not a good player, obviously. Just they, they like their evaluation. But that's the first thing I looked up because we've talked a lot about and we've written about the Notre Dame-Ohio State battle for players in Ohio. Here's a kid Notre Dame goes in and gets that Ohio State hadn't offered yet. Yep. You know, the thing with Notre Dame is that right now, what do they have, 23? How many commits it? do they have? 23 commits. That's, That's right. Yeah. Um, I read your 20, story today. Yeah, 23 commitments, and they have the number one overall class, and like this class has staying power because I believe, based on the stat that we have in the story, that they have 11 top 150 players in this class, right? So it's like a deep class from top to bottom. Their average player ranking, I believe, is top five in the country, um, and that is all really good stuff. But you want to hear something? Let's hear it. Two of their top three commitments in their class right now are like wavering so like they have commitments but like marcus committed has to keep what are they really are they really committed i don't know let's go ask let's move on let's move on but keon keely yeah is being very 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 much heavily by the last place on earth that marcus freeman wants to have to recruit against and that would be alabama so, like, he's a five-star prospect and a top-ten player nationally out of Tampa. And this is what really is hard about recruiting nationally. And I think that we have seen Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson and Georgia do it so well that we take for granted how hard it really is, and Notre Dame to the same extent. You know, their starting quarterback was a fringe five-star guy out of California. It's but And when Alabama comes knocking for a kid who lives in Tampa, Florida— it's a lot harder to keep him when you're Notre Dame just from a geographical standpoint. So, you know, the, the hope, I guess, if you're a Notre Dame fan is, is that Marcus Freeman has created a sales pitch and a, and a you know, thought process that, hey, this is where you need to be and he'll stay true to that. But when, when Alabama comes and Nick Saban gets on the phone and they start rolling out the draft numbers and the national championship rings, it's really hard. And I don't even think I could blame Marcus Freeman for losing him. But losing him would be a huge detriment to their class ranking and kind of the way that we view them on a national scale. Yeah, so, I mean, they're going to sign, you mentioned that, they're going to sign a good class no matter what. It's just, is it going to have that top-end elite talent? Uh, yes, and, and if they lose the, the top two out of their three out of this class, it completely changes the paradigm of the way we view it right now. So Right, then it goes back to kind of a, still better, right? Still, still better than better, Brian still better, better classes, but, but yes. not, not, uh, not the elite. end. A yes. top-end class for what Brian Kelly's standard was, but not an elite-level class that's going to win you a national title. Yeah. So, but Which again, is unfair. I mean, people will be like, well, what do you think, two players? But it's like they're two best players almost. Yeah. But even if they lose their two best players, I don't know how any Notre Dame fan could be disappointed. Yeah, I mean, they would still in, have... In the trajectory of the, the recruiting under Marcus Freeman. They they're would still clearly, probably finish with two uh, double-digit top 150 players. But, yeah, which is know, great. Which is which great. Which is great, yeah. Um. Right, some notes here. You mentioned earlier, but Ricky Collins, uh, former Purdue commit from Baton Rouge, is committing tonight. I tonight as in Wednesday night. Uh, I'd be shocked if it's not LSU. He's decommitted. He's from Baton Rouge. LSU needs a quarterback. Not very difficult to figure that one out. Um, 
Chris Parson just announced, I guess, uh, yesterday that he was going to uh, make his decision August 12th. He's the quarterback from Nashville or Brentwood, Tennessee, who decommitted from Florida State. He's down to Mississippi State, TCU, SMU, and Virginia Tech. SMU with recently announced a new NIL benefit for all current players, I think about $35,000 a year. So that, that, that will not hurt in their pursuit of Chris Parson. There seemed to be a lot of Mississippi State smoke after he you know, it's weird, Ari, when, when a guy decommits from a school and then gets some crystal balls to some other schools or you're hearing a lot of, and, and he doesn't commit right away, you're starting to think, oh, maybe there was nothing there. But, I, you know, seems, again, Mississippi State, that's what I've heard, a lot of Mississippi State. Yeah, it's, it seemed to have been Mississippi State since the beginning. So we'll be very curious to see. And I'll tell you guys, I saw him in person. He's awesome. He got, yeah. He, he's awesome. Ari, Ari's been raving about Chris Parson. Yeah, he's my guy. Tamarian Parker, uh, defensive lineman. Decommitted from Penn State, number 100 overall, edge rusher from Phoenix City, Alabama, which is down near Auburn, right on the Georgia border. Another um, example of how hard it is to recruit nationally. Yep. I mean, Penn State's going into the heart of Alabama, and because of top 100 players, like, holy crap, that's amazing, but keeping yep. them's hard, man. It's yep. hard. It is. Um, all right, some notable recruits, uh, I mean, some notable commitments. Ohio State, Arvell Reese, four-star linebacker, number 277, you, you noted, uh, from Glenville in, in Cleveland, which was a, a pipeline in the Jim Trestle era. Um, Ohio State now has six of the top seven players in the state. They don't have number two defensive lineman, Brennan Vernon, um, from Mentor. Is it Mentor? Mentor, o- Ohio? Um, I call him Mentor, yeah. Okay, Mentor. Uh, so th- they're taking care of business in the state. It's just now it's seen, you know, they, we, we've documented recently some of their losses on the defensive side of the ball, but nice get, top 300 player in the state, a guy that they needed to get, especially because he plays defense. Yep, yep. Um, USC, Braylon Shelby, four-star edge from Texas, another important USC would feel a lot better if he was an offensive lineman, but hey, you get a four-star edge from Texas, you're going to take him, top yes. uh, top 150 player. Florida State, and USC's done a pretty good job nationally, too. Yeah, yeah, Tackett Curtis out of Louisiana. Uh, four kids from Texas, I believe. Um, Florida State, Samuel Singleton, four-star running back from Orange Park, Florida, number 287. Texas, Dier, uh, Darian Goulet, or Gouillet, I don't, you know, it's Goulet, I guess it is. Gouillet. Uh, uh, is it? Or are you just making? I, don't, yeah. I just wanted to say Galuli. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Galuli, <laughs> four-star edge from uh, from from Teague, Texas, number one forty-nine overall, South Carolina, with a good get. Uh, Ola Wat Babalade, uh, four-star offensive tackle from Damatha in Maryland. That's Tech, a really hard one to pronounce. Yeah, Texas Tech with a a, a good get, four-star safety from Arlington, Texas. Um, Jordan, uh, Jordan Sanford, number 266 overall. The classes, we've talked a lot about them, so I thought I'd update their class. 17 overall, three four-stars among 24 commits. Louisville has been, after making some big splashes months ago, been kind of quiet, but they're back on the board with William Foles, mm-hmm. four-star wide receiver from Florida, number 356. And then one more, Georgia, which has struggled, surprisingly, at the running back position in this class, uh, Justin Haynes, most notably Justice Haynes, in-state kid uh, is going to Alabama. They get a commitment from a 2024 running back, Tavani Mizell, from DeMatha, same high school, um, number 107 overall. So I don't know if I missed anyone there, but that's the kind of rundown of some And reason. you want to give UCF a little love just because we, yes. we, we didn't, because that was important to a few people that I said we would talk about it. So, And actually Houston, like getting a, a top 400 player that had some major offers too. 
this week is kind of along the same lines of like former group of five programs that are actually recruiting quite well long before getting into the pack or the big 12 or the power five. And like, we didn't, we didn't, I don't know why we didn't do this. It might've been like a week off or something, but John Walker, yes. uh, the four star defensive lineman that I think to, it, happened, it wasn't, it was just so many things happened that when no excuses, like we should have mentioned, but yeah. I think so many yeah, things happened that week. Four star prospect, top 100 defensive lineman. Um, out of Florida chooses UCF when that was a major uh, target on Ohio State's board. Like that's a huge get, but they've signed three, or I mean, gotten commitments from three or I've oh, got their four, class open. Four I've got star their class prospect. Open. So yeah, it's weird because they're ranked sixty because they only have nine commits, but they've got John Walker ninety nine, Andrew Harris and Michael Harris twins linebackers two thirty two and three ten. They've got Braden. Marshall. Is that like the new manifestation of the Griffin brothers, right yeah, there, or what? It, it's there, and they, they had a. I think they had twins they signed last year too. So they've got four top, uh, four four star players, um, all of which who've committed before, uh, since July one. All from Florida. Their class right now nine. It's only nine deep, so um, potential there to move way up the rankings, seven from Florida, two from Georgia. So very good yeah. job. Yeah, very excited to see where they're going. And you know the – I don't know if people know this, but have you ever seen The Blind Side? Of course, yeah. Read the book, saw the movie, yeah. Okay, so the yeah. – the, You know what I'm going to say? Yeah, go ahead. Um, Sean Tuohy you know, uh, Jr., right? Tui, yeah. The Tuohy family. Yeah. Uh, the kid that was depicted in the movie that got to run through the tunnel and Nick Saban was recruiting and all that – um, is their record like one of their recruiting staffers? His name's uh, S.J. Tui. Yeah, if you remember, Sean Jr. Remember yeah, that was very, very, very on point guy. I've talked to him on the phone a few times. He knows what he's doing out there. So it's a uh, um, definitely something that is worth noting. And anytime you can get a top 100 player away from a powerhouse um, or a few powerhouses, that's a that's recruiting at a high level. And I'm very curious to see. Like you know, we've talked about this since the Big 12 ex- expanded um, after losing Texas and Oklahoma. But it's just like which one of these teams, Houston, um, Cincinnati. Uh, um, UCF, like which ones are going to be the best at recruiting? And it'll be very fun to see like how it all kind of manifests in the next few years. Yeah, I mean, no doubt about it. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Some mailbag questions. Here, here's a fun one. It was in your mailbag. I'm going to expand on it. Who do you think will have the higher average class ranking over the next five years? Notre Dame or LSU? It's from Steve R. And you basically said in your mailbag, correct me if I'm wrong, you said you love what Marcus Freeman's doing, but LSU, just the track record was just too much to pick against them. They have just too much of an advantage to be like, oh, it's been an awesome eight months. I'm going to just change my entire thought of the way college football recruiting works uh, in eight months. Now, I could be wrong. Like, if Marcus Freeman is who we think he could be, you could be wrong. But, like, the idea of what LSU offers in terms of of in-state talent that's predisposed to going there, it's just impossible to pick anybody else. Do you disagree with me? No, no, I... Okay. I was a little surprised when you said, but I, I think you frame it the right way. There's too much tradition, too much – the track record's too strong there. But the fact that we're having that discussion says a lot about what Marcus Freeman's doing. So I'm going That's to right. – don't spend much time on these. Well, you can if you want. It's a podcast. We can talk as long as we want. Same question. Over the next five years, higher average class ranking, USC or Oregon? USC. Texas or Texas A&M? A&M. Florida or LSU? LSU. Arizona or Arizona State? Arizona State. What? That was a fun game. No, no, no belief in in. Uh, it's not a belief. It's in just, Jed Fish and your alma mater. It's just they've got a long way to go, man. Okay. It's, you said five years. Arizona State doesn't sign like, football players. They're like, they're, what yeah, they're like, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Arizona State also, even at the bottom of the barrel, never went uh, and signed one top 1,000 player in a cycle either. Like, Arizona can bottom out really, 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 really bad. So, you know, I think Jed Fish has done a great job. Um, was Is Arizona going to sign a better class this year than ASU? I would think so. I mean, Arizona State so, is a I mean, maybe Arizona will ride. be. That's a, I mean, they both have been stinking for so long. <laughs> it's kind of hard to, like, you know, which one is going to smell worse, you know, or better. You know, I, I don't know. Michigan uh, or Michigan State? coin flip i don't know Michigan. okay you can't say coin flip no michigan state probably ohio state or i'm running out of georgia georgia okay florida or miami (laughs) (laughs) miami okay yeah this is a that's fun. We should have started the show with this. That was a fun game. Uh, New Mexico or Nevada? New Mexico. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm going to Tahoe next week, so I'm happy you asked that one. Yeah. You can do a little on the, you can do some talk some prospects? Yeah, I'm going to go uh, check out prospective beers. Five star beer. Five star defensive lineman in Incline Village. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to just type my stories on a patio and enjoy not being overheated for five minutes okay yeah so next week uh we will do a show but we're both out midweek so we're probably going to record early tuesday morning so it'll be with the disclaimer that like if things happen tuesday don't yell at us um 
And we, we got away with it last week, so yes. hopefully we can get away with it again. Yeah. All right, I like this question because it's there's four obvious ones, and then it's a very difficult. Jesse, Is this trivia? No. Oh. Got a few more. We got a few more. Let's say the NCAA says you're – this is from Jesse. Let's say the NCAA says you're only allowed to recruit from five states. If you're an elite contender program, which states do you choose? If you're a good to great P5 program, which ones would you choose? What about media? I don't think it matters. Like the talent is still talent. Like I mean, location of where your school matters, though. Okay, but if you're only allowed five, so Florida, California, Texas, and Georgia, right? No doubt about it. Yeah, but like if you are like Arizona, you might not pick Florida. I think you still would. I don't. Okay, I'll rephrase the question. I don't know that you would, man. Okay, I'll rephrase the question. You're just Notre Dame. You're you're you recruit na- you complete recruit nationally. What is your fifth school? Options are Louisiana. Virginia, well, the options are every school, everyone, but Louisiana, Virginia, North Carolina, Ohio, Arizona, or Alabama. To me, that was that next tier. Would you agree? Yeah. You might throw, you I mean, that's New hard Jersey. because yeah. like, if you're just like a random school, like it's like how far away are you matters. Um, I would probably pick, uh, you pick Virginia or does the entire DMV count? No, the state. I'd probably go Virginia or North Carolina. And I, I would probably go North Carolina. Yeah. Not that because I don't think that that Ohio and those other states have great talent. They do, but I wouldn't want to go butt my head with Ohio State for any good player in that state all the time. True. You might pick Arizona, less no in-state competition. Yeah, Arizona gonna, would be good. You're going to get a good like quarterback. If, you, if you're Notre Dame or well, Notre, Dame's Notre Dame's recruited brand. Well. Yeah, Notre Dame's recruited well in Arizona. If you're just random University X and you're in Indiana, it's like Arizona's not going to do anything for you. Yeah. Here was interesting one, I thought. James W., with how strong of an in-state class is it for the state of Alabama? How much of an indictment is that, is that Auburn didn't so, – okay, they have 12 to 14 – I've looked at the numbers, top 150 composite players. Basically, how much of it is an indictment on Auburn this year that it's not recruiting well in-state, especially with Alabama still recruiting nationally, leaving more, more players there? Um, they just are in a bad spot, man. Well, let me give you the numbers first. 21 blue chippers in the state, which is incredible for a state the size of Alabama. Yeah. 17 have committed. Alabama has five. Auburn has three, which in theory doesn't sound bad. But Auburn's five, Alabama's five are ranked five are like three, one. <laughs> three, four, nine, 12, and 13. Auburn's three are ranked 14, 16, and 21. So go go back. And Clemson and Penn State each have two. Yeah. I mean, this is supposed to be a year because there were so many of them more defensive linemen, too. And, like, Alabama can only take so many. Like, this should have been a nice window for Auburn to go in there and get the leftovers, right? Because, like, Auburn's not going to be beating Alabama. I mean, they have in the past, but they're not going to be beating Alabama for a ton of, of top 100 players. But they should have been able to have this opportunity to get some guys that are closer to home, um, you know, stay home. But Brian Harson's situation there is so awful, it just seems impossible to, like, want to put your you, – you, you, Anybody who signs with them this year has to go in with the understanding that they're going to be playing for somebody else next year. Like, I don't I don't see any scenario whatsoever where Brian Harson's the head coach at Auburn a year from now. Do you? Yeah. I think they – I mean, I I think if – The entire, like – yeah, the, the entire, like, program's I mean, I, boosters, like, literally tried to get him fired by making up stories about him. You think they want to keep him around? I don't think they want to. I just think I, – I wouldn't put it, like – you seem to have it at like 95% or higher. I do. Yeah, I do. I'd go 80-20. Well, you're just kind of splitting hairs there. Yeah. I mean, the 20%. I mean, if I mean, okay. 
It's 95% because I know they don't like him, and also their schedule was brutal. Yeah. So, like, what do they have to do? Win 10 games this year? That must I mean, beat like, Alabama last year. Yeah, well. They didn't. They did not. And they should have because if, if their players just slid in bounds, they would have. Did you lose but money on that game? I did. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I can, I can see sure the pain did. in your face. Yes. <laughs> so when I tell you just if I pick a random game, did you lose money on that game? A lot of times it's a, yeah, I did. If I have a very vivid memory of a <laughs> weird way that a game ended, there's a reason for it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's not because you love college football. It's because you either won I a lot I do of love money college or- football, but I just remember like doing the Happy Gilmore. Go! Oh! <laughs> just just take a dive. Inbounds. Yeah. It's over. Um, I wanted to bring up this question just so we can answer it, obviously, but I wanted to share our answer. Douglas M., we talk so much about NIL money determining where play- most players go. Well, I wouldn't say it's most, but a lot. That seems to be a beginning assumption for so many pundits. But is that really how it is shaking out? Do young kids these days really just follow who gives them the most money? Any way to measure that sentiment? I just bring it up to say we don't talk about it much because we don't know. And we, I mean, you're more plugged in than I am. But I'm Last part week of at the coaches convention, yeah. Mitch, I asked multiple people how many times, if you have 100 prospects, how many is NIL brought up out of the 100 random prospects? And I got 80 and 85 and 75. Like, it is a very prevalent discussion. Why people are making their decisions, I think, might be a lower percentage than that. But everybody is interested in it. Yeah. So my point is, like, we just don't know. Like, and we're, we work with a lot of plugged-in people. We, we're in Slack channels. There's a lot of rumors out there. But the reason stuff's not reported, it's not because we don't want to report it. It's because we can't report on things that aren't. Fact. fact right and it's just yeah. it's it's a lot of gray area out there and you know we hear things and we hear things that are just then we hear from other sources that are just complete bs and you know who do you believe so it's we've talked about a lot in this pod it's we we're in favor of nil but for our specific jobs we don't like nil because we like judging things based on what happens and not trying to say well do we praise that coach for getting the five star when he only we think he only went there for NIL? I don't need to rehash all this stuff, but it makes yeah. the evaluation process more difficult. And so, but it's just that that's why we don't talk about it that much. Yeah. All right. Trivia? I'm ready for trivia. Okay. Which power five program? Georgia. Has seen the biggest improvement. This is a multi-part question. Which Power 5 program has seen the biggest improvement in average class rating from the five-year period from 2013 through 17 to the five-year period 2018 to 22? So, you know, two five-year segments, which program improved the most? Understand the question? I do. So 23 to 13 to 17 is the, is the bar? Yeah, just the 13 through 17 and then 18 through 22. And you think that this, I can get this one? I think you won't get it. You don't think I will get it? My son just texted me, did you put my bagel somewhere? And I said, Zoe, your, daughter, your, my, your sister ate it. So he's not going to be happy. Um, it's too bad about that. Yeah. Um, he knows it wasn't you at least. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Think- I mean, my, I, have, I have a guess, but I might be wrong. Okay. Well, is I, the guess obvious? Is it obvious? I have the top two. You know so what? So is it a, is one A and M? No, I'm going to tell you why that's a, not a good guess though, because A and M improved a lot, but they had already been a top 15 recruiter. Like this team improved a lot of slots, a lot. 
Kentucky? Nope. Not in the top two. Um, Clemson? Nope. That's a bad guess. Why is that a bad guess? Again, they, they, they were went, already they swimming from, in pretty pretty nice waters. I mean, in 2013, they weren't signing top two classes. Okay. The I team... That's the, the, the team... Is it North Carolina? The team improved by 25, an average position of 25.6. <laughs> For average ending? In the rankings? Yes. They improved from... Their improvement from the previous five years to the most recent five years was a 25... Point six slot improvement. A lot of dead air in this podcast, Ari. Well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, because I don't want you to tell me that I, I had a terrible guess again. Okay. I mean, I've guessed five times and I'm <laughs> wrong every time, so. You want me to tell you? Mm-hmm. North Carolina's not the answer. Huh? No. Yeah, tell me. Purdue. I never would have gotten that right. in a million years. They went from 70, yeah. average rank of 70, thank you, Daryl Hazel, to 44.4. Number, I should probably write a story about that. Number two was surprising. All right, let me try. I, I, I hate giving up. Okay, and then we're going to go biggest regression. You can't just not say anything. You gotta like make small talk or something. I'm looking at the I'm looking at a list of power five schools. Okay. <laughs> they gotta make small talk. No, I think people are yeah, I mean people are on the edge of their seats. Yes. Oregon State. Incorrect. Okay. They are a consistent bowl team. Very consistent bowl team. I, I give up. Iowa. From 52.2 to 33.8. Okay. Okay. Yeah, these are good. This is a, that was a great question. Okay. Biggest, sorry I let you down. That, a, no, I, you didn't let me hard. down. You, you, you didn't let me down. I bet you if you asked every single recruiting reporter on the face of the earth that question, I, I would bet money nobody would get that right. Okay. Biggest regression. Same, same time period. Um, there's, a, there's a tie, actually. A tie for the first yeah. the top two or the top spot. Yeah, they're in the same league. Um, okay. West Virginia. Incorrect. All right, we can't. Syracuse. Nope. They've been bad consistently. So. Yeah, I got to think of some, a team that was like recruiting in the top fifteen that now is recruiting in the. In the okay, I'll give 40s. you a, one. Went from fourteen to twenty six point two, and the other went from twenty seven point four to forty nine point six average in those five year blocks. Stanford. Nope. Right league. Hint: Which Washington. school has a coach who doesn't like to recruit? Washington. Nope. Oh, UCLA. Yes. Okay. Which school has a coach who liked to recruit a lot when he wasn't allowed to recruit and now doesn't sign many players? He liked to recruit when he liked when he was able to recruit a lot. And no, he liked to it. recruit when he wasn't allowed to recruit. Arizona State. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
That was a good question. Huh? I was proud of Those, They were great questions. I'm proud of you, Mitch. Yeah, thanks, bud. That's what I'm looking for. Um, I'm, I'm, I love that uh, you come up with those creative ones. I know. I wonder if people... Let me know, honestly, honor system. Text us if you got those right, because that, that's a really hard... Those are hard questions. I think those yeah. were probably the it's hardest like a, questions yeah. you've asked. Yeah, no. Because the answers weren't obvious. Right. Well, so I like those questions, because admittedly, a lot of them just want to spur discussion, and there's no way you're gonna you're just going to throw a random number. Do you think up. that I should write about Purdue? Um, I mean, it's sort of like, like what, what's the point? They had a coach who was a shitty recruiter, and now they have a coach who's a decent recruiter. Like, dude, Daryl Hazel is the man. I know, Mr. Ohio State, but he uh, did not recruit. He didn't. He, that was a train wreck. That's a funny pun at Purdue. Oh yeah, yeah. He was did that intended. Well, no, it was not. He did well at Kent State. Like that's why it's dangerous to hire a coach who had like one good year, like who doesn't had didn't have to sustain anything like he went to Kent State did a good job there but didn't really wasn't there very long and then Purdue snapped him up and they were awful so all right are we done yep good job Mitch I'm proud of you for that uh thanks everybody for listening to the latest edition of Stars Matter we'll catch you next week